What's up, Internet? You're tuning in episode 6 of the Flip Screen Games Podcast, a weekly video game podcast where two best buds from different nations come together to discuss the wide, wide world of video games. I'm your host, Pete and Bessie, joined, as always, by my very good friend, Mr. Stephen Radford. Hello, hello. You nailed it this time, Pete. You didn't forget halfway through, like last week's episode. I'll tell you what, Steve. I'm in rare fucking form today, you know? Uh, we're recording this one uh, on a Saturday evening. Uh, so that means I've already been podcasting for a few hours. I'm about halfway into my second monster of the day. Uh, you know, my basement hasn't flooded this week. I'm wow. feeling pretty good. You know, I'm, 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 I don't want to jinx things, but uh, I'm ready to come <laughs> here and talk about some video games. I'll tell you that. How you doing? I'm, I'm doing all right. Yeah, I've been a bit busy prepping. I'm going away for uh, an anniversary trip tomorrow. So I'll be talking about that one next week's one more thing um so yeah I'm, I, it's, it's been a been a nice weekend i did a stew now it and it was i thought it was going to be colder weather than it was this weekend <laughs> yeah and, and a stew in 22 degrees centigrade heat probably not the best choice but it was still tasty nonetheless you know i think what you just do is just turn the ac down right make it a little chilly in the house and then you just mm. eat the stew if only we had central AC. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no one in this country has it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right. So uh, I, as much as I would love to talk more about stew with you, uh, that's that's a conversation for one more thing. Uh, speaking of one more thing, one more thing is, of course, our Patreon exclusive podcast, which you can get access to if you go and back us on patreon.com slash games, just like our Patreon producers did for the month of September. Of course, we are so thankful that for their support, and their names are Christopher Valenz, a.k.a. That Doc Guy, Zaid Ida, and Wakahula. Remember, if you want to become a Patreon producer, get access to one more thing, uh, where this week we talked about having kids, um, among other things, uh, and and a, a bevy of other really cool perks, I think. You know, you can vote on what games we stream over on our, our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash uh, Flipscreen Games, as well as a, a bunch of other cool goodies that you can get access to. So uh, if you want to go... That's like a big one. Early, early access. access. I, I've always every, forget to mention that. Yeah, you get every episode a day early, both Nintendo yeah. Noise and the Flipscreen Games podcast. So if you sign up for things for the, the Red Coin $5 tier level, then yeah, you get every episode early. Yep. Yeah, so go go check it out. Um, you know, we've gotten a lot of great support there uh, so far, and I think that we've got some good goodies over there. And we are uh, always working on new ones and kind of thinking about how we can improve what, what we're offering. So uh, if you do have any thoughts of things you'd like to see, let us know. Uh, we'd always love to hear from you. Um, so yeah, if you want to support the show, that's the best way to do it. Uh, but if you can't, don't worry. There's lots of other ways you can support the show. You can like us wherever you're listening to us. Send your comments in and get your questions right on the air in our question block segment uh, by joining our Discord or writing to me at questions at flipscreen.games or go in and follow us on social media at flipscreengames where uh, we also will ask, uh, generally will ask our weekly main topic uh, question or talking point over on Twitter. So if you want to get in the mix and uh, become part of the show, part of the community, those are some great ways to do it. And, uh, you know, again, even if you don't have a, you know, a couple bucks to toss our way, uh, if you're enjoying the show and, and you like what we've been putting out, let people know, you know, if you've got a gamer in your life, you think would enjoy the show, who'd enjoy coming and being part of our community, you know, that's, uh, that is, you know, one of the best ways you can help the show. So please do that. I've got right. one last, last request oh. before we move on for every okay. listener. If you're listening on Apple podcasts, go and do us a massive favor. Just either rate the show five stars. 
or leave us leave a review it helps everyone know um that the show's fantastic which hopefully you think it is and it helps other people find it so um apple will promote us a lot more and um bring us higher up the the search engine if we have uh, ratings which we start we start at ground zero so we don't have any at the moment <laughs> Yeah, so please, please go give us those five-star uh, ratings. They really, really, really do help us out and don't cost you a thing. Um, and you know what? I'll say similarly, if you're an audio listener and you don't watch the YouTube channel, go give us a subscribe, even if you don't plan on watching it. Everybody has a Gmail account, um, so you've got a YouTube account, and uh, those subscriptions definitely help us out. Um, so yeah, help us uh, help us build the channel there. Um, and one thing I did forget to plug, we did an extra special episode of the show, in case you missed it. Uh, Steve and I did a episode 5.5, I think we called it for audio listeners. Uh, it is, you know, it's a it's an extra episode of, of the Flip Screen Games podcast where we reacted to the PlayStation Showcase 2021. Uh, lots of really exciting announcements there. Um, so yeah, if you want to go hear our reactions to uh, Spider-Man 2, the reveal of Insomniac's Wolverine, uh, Knights of the Old Republic's getting a remake, all kind of God of War 2, uh, crazy showcase. Um, and we had a lot of fun talking about it, so go check it out. All right, so that's a, that's enough shilling for now. Let's let's get into the meat and potatoes of this episode, right? Uh, the Life is Strange True Colors review in progress, I'll say, because uh, I haven't finished the game yet, but um, I am knee-deep into it. Uh, so we thankfully, we pushed the show back this week, and we're like mm-hmm. I said, we're recording a couple days late. So I had uh, ample time to, to spend with the game, and I am right now in the middle of um of chapter three so i am like dead in the middle of the game um okay so you know how many chapters there are then the six there's five five okay yeah so the fact that i'm midway through the middle one i think i'm just about yeah, the 50 pretty much there yeah here so like um, how how are you enjoying it so far then it does it like i know it's a totally different character with different powers does it still feel like life is strange or does it feel like it's you know, I don't know, another similar game of the same genre. So, yeah, I guess so just to give you the elevator pitch, if you're not familiar, uh, Life is Strange True Colors is made by Deck Nine Games. This is their second game in the Life is Strange uh, series. Of course, the original and Life is Strange 2 were both um, made by Don't Nod, who's the developer who actually created Life is Strange. Um, but, you know, Square Enix uh, is the IP owner. Um, they have, as, as a studio, decided they want to go work on IP that they own. Um, so I was like, they did tell me why, and you know they're moving on to new new projects. So Life is Strange is now being worked on by Deck Nine, who was the studio who did the uh, prequel to the original Life is Strange before the storm, uh, which is going to be part of that remaster collection that's coming out early next year. Um, so Deck Nine is a studio that you know has worked on um, on the franchise before, and I thought they were a great steward of it. That game uh, had no business being as good as it was, frankly. Because it was a prequel that no one really needed or asked for, um, starring a character that didn't have powers, and uh, Ashley Birch was unable to voice Chloe uh, because of the voice actor union strike that was going on, the SAG after strike at the time. Um, so she consulted, she like worked on the script a little bit to make sure that they were keeping Chloe's voice, uh, but another actress had to portray her. So there was every reason for me to come into that game and not like it, and they knocked it out of the park. Um, and it was short. It was only three episodes. So um, I was always impressed by what they did. And I always kind of hoped that they would get a chance to either work on their own franchise or maybe do like a spinoff that was a little bit more meaty. So the fact that they're kind of the studio taken over now 
um, feels like natural. And in terms of does it feel like a life is strange, it absolutely does. Um, and just just to let you know, this will be uh, as spoiler free as possible. I won't spoil anything um, that wasn't you know in the basic marketing material. And there's one thing from the marketing material that was a spoiler that I also won't touch on because I don't want to spoil anything for you. Um, but we'll talk about that in a minute. But uh, overall, I I love the game so far. Um, I I definitely had reservations about uh, the powers more than anything because, like I said. I like Deck Nine. I trusted that they get Life is Strange and that they would give me a game that felt like Life is Strange and that, you know, nailed all the beats that it needed to in terms of like the writing, the character relationships, the music. All those things are excellent, you know, and, and I, I think they've totally, totally nailed those things. Um, I was worried about Alex's power is that she's an empath, right? So she can uh, feel other people's emotions and like essentially kind of see the world through their eyes so like she can experience exactly what they're experiencing and and kind of um help them through it you know and that that's kind of how you end up interacting with a lot of characters is when people give off extremely strong emotions she's susceptible to them um and it's kind of about you going through that journey of her figuring out how to take control of that and and you know use it um use it to help people and that felt abstract because, you know, the original Life is Strange, you have time traveling powers, you know, and there's a lot of uh, obvious applications for how that could work in a gameplay loop, right? Of like, okay, like, I need information, but I don't want to piss this person off so I can do, I can talk to them however I want and learn whatever I need to learn and then rewind time so they, they're not mad at me anymore and then I can advance the conversation in a different way. Like there, and there was like puzzles that you would solve by being like, I can go in the, I can, you know, break this window and go in here and get the key that opens this lock and then rewind time and I never broke the window and I made it in and nobody knows I was there and like things oh, that like that. that are really cool. And those are, those are, you can see how that would work, right? Whereas, like, having the ability to feel other people's emotions is, like, it's, it's a more abstract superpower. Um, and it was it one that I... It also kind of seems more realistic, though. It seems a little bit more grounded that maybe there could be someone who could actually be, like, this emotional sponge and take sure. on what people feel like rather than, oh, someone's got time-traveling powers. So I, I guess I kind of like that. Um, I, I I would have the same concerns as you though. But where does the story go, and what is the kind of general story as a whole? Like, what are you exploring as Alex, and and what do her powers kind of unravel for you? So yeah, so to to I'll get into the what the whole story is about in a second because it ties to another point I want to make. So to answer that. Um, What's cool about the empath thing is I think it's a really great conduit for story. It allows you to uh, interact with characters in the same way that uh, Max's powers did in the first game, like I described, where you could you know, have conversations and get information that you really shouldn't know um, without facing consequences. And this is kind of the same thing, but it's done in just like you're not manipulating people quite as much. You know, you're more like reading their, their, their mind. Um, but the other thing is that she can also do it with objects. So, like, if an object was a part of a very emotional moment, it'll have some of that emotional energy kind of left over or whatever. Um, so you'll see so auras like it, around. So, like, an example would be if someone, say, threw something in a fight 
that would have like yes, an aura around exactly. it. Exactly. Okay. And and when you would scan that, you would hear the two characters involved with the fight and they would be yelling at each other and you'd get a sense like you were there in that moment. That's kind of how her power works. Um so she can effectively use it to like read people's minds kind of, you know, it's like it's a mixture of her literally feeling their emotions and feeling exactly what they're going through, but also is able to like learn information that she couldn't have got unless they were forthcoming with it, which, you know, certain people are obviously not going to be, especially people that she doesn't know that well. Right. But she needs information from. Um, so in terms of the overall like framing device, uh, the kind of story is that Alex uh, is moving to this small town called Haven uh, in Colorado. Um, she is, I believe 20 or 21 years old and she's, uh, just coming out of the foster care system and she's going to move to this town where her brother lives and she and her brother, uh, have been, um, have been like, they have, they haven't talked to each other in like eight years because when they were kids sounds so familiar to tell me why, like someone went and was separated from their, their sibling and moved back to a really small town. It's it's definitely very, very familiar. There's definitely a a similar framing device there for sure. Um, Which I mean, makes sense, right? Tell me why is, is a, is a don't nod joint. So, um, but, but yeah, so she, she and him basically that when their uh, their family split up, I believe because their mother their mother died. I haven't totally figured that out, but that's kind of the sense I'm getting. Um, and he ended up going to juvie, and she was put in the foster care system. So they haven't, you know, they were separated and weren't in contact for years. Um, and he finally finds her. He's been looking for her for a long time. He gets in contact with her. Uh, they reconnect and he asks her to come, you know, move there. Um, so that's kind of where you're at and and where you're exploring. Um, and what the actual overall plot is about is something that has been spoiled in the marketing material. Um, but I don't want to say it here. If you haven't gotten it for, f- through that already, like if you haven't read a synopsis of the game or seen the original trailer or whatever, if you've only heard me talk about it, um, that's actually probably my biggest criticism of this game so far is that I think the marketing material has done the first chapter a major disservice because it it spoils a plot point. Um, oh, that's a shame. So the only thing I have seen of this game was um, the last trailer thing they showed at E3 where you see Alex, I think, is in a coffee shop talking to someone and you see like two of the choices. And that right. was... It was like a little little snapshot of the gameplay, but I haven't seen anything spoiled. We should probably do a uh, a talking point on spoilers in marketing because yeah, Metroid Dread seems to be suffering that a lot at the moment as well. Yeah, and and I I, I take pretty big umbrage with it because it was I think the original trailer where they spoiled this plot point. Um, and it's like if you read a, 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 the Wikipedia synopsis or anything like that, like it's literally everywhere. Like people are, are spoiling this this event, and I I really wish I had been able to go into the game without knowing that what was coming because it it's a good it's a great moment and it's it's played really well. It's extremely uh, emotional and and dramatic, and it was surprising and like it still shocked me, but. 
it it did lessen the impact because I spent the whole episode being like, "Isn't this gonna happen at some point?" Like, did, did I did I do I remember that wrong? Is that not what it said? Am, am I projecting something that you know whatever? And then like it does happen, and it was like, "Oh, okay." Like it, so it was that, and it. No, yeah, I totally get that. It's like when someone says, "Oh, there's a really good twist in this movie," and the entire time you're waiting you're for it, sat then. there watching and like, going, "Oh, I wonder what it's going to be. Is it going to be this person does this instead?" So and I just I wish I didn't that know that. Really annoying. Yeah, you know, I, I do not want to know because I I think I will end up playing this game. Um, you but, should. Well, I I want to ask you, and I'll I want to let you get through your points, but I do want to ask you. Yeah, yeah. Is this a good jumping on point for the franchise or should i wait for the remaster collection to come out next year which obviously was due i think next month uh, and should i wait for those because that was my plan i was going to play those two first and then move on to true colors i i think it is um i don't really feel like you will lose out on anything by playing this game first and then going back and playing those games like i think that the worst thing that you can say about uh, Life is Strange or Before the Storm, right? Is that like they're, they are at this point not, they're kind of old. Like they're, I think, five or six year old games now. And they were indie games developed on a tighter budget when they were made. So like there are things about it that are like, you know, that feel dated, like some of the animation and, and you know, things like that. Um, those are seemingly all things that are going to be fixed in the remaster. So to my mind, like, I think the only reason not to play this game first is that maybe you will be spoiled by some of the, you know, advancements uh, present in this game because it's a game that came out years later. But will um, I feel that anyway because I've played Tell Me Why and I guess that would also have some of those advancements. Right. So with that in mind, I don't think there's any reason for you to not play this because and, it, so, and it's not like it links in. They're not referencing Max or previous characters from Life is Strange Two. No, they're Easter eggs. Um, like there, like there's a, a a character in this game who is a main character, a supporting main character who is a who is a very minor character in Before the Storm, uh, which is the other Deck Nine game. So they brought one of their characters into this, you know, this game. Um, but like in my interactions with her so far, she has not mentioned where that she's from there. She hasn't mentioned her connection to that part of the world or anything like that. You know, just it's, it's kind of like a, oh, I know, I know Steph. Okay, cool. Um, and like, so, so is this like a shared universe then? Yes. Or is it just they, they're reusing the characters? No, it's, it's a shared universe. Um, Every Life is Strange game or every Life is Strange takes place in the same uh, universe. And like every one of the games has had references to the others. So the original and Before the Storm are d- directly related, right? Before the Storm's a prequel. So there's lots of crossover there, obviously. But like Life is Strange 2, the two main characters have no relation to Max or Chloe from the original game. Uh, but like Arcadia Bay, where they're from, they're like. You, there's like a news report that you'll hear at one point where they're talking about something that happened in the first game and how, oh, whatever decision I made, they talk about the aftermath, right? Or like, I made a certain decision, so a character who died in in my run-through of Life is Strange, 
somebody that they were were related to shows up in Life is Strange 2 and the decisions I had were reflected in where they're at as a person. So it's like minor, minor things. It's not like a Mass Effect situation where it's like, oh no, I killed the fucking deer in Life is Strange 1, so now there's an apocalypse in Life is Strange 3. Like It's not like that, you know? Um, and and for, to what I've seen, there's less connection between this and any other previous Life is Strange game than the other ones beforehand. I haven't like it made had any major... Uh, encounters where it's like oh oh that's a big thing you know it's like little things like there's a record store in the town and there's a poster for a band that is uh like chloe's favorite band right and like that's like a, a okay cool i recognize that right or there's like the same t-shirt that one character wears is up on the wall and it's like oh okay cool like little things no that's cool yeah it's it's, it's fan service little nods to the other games but yeah it's not direct references. Well, that's fine. I, I, I feel like maybe then this would be the one to pick up first. The only other concern I've seen a, a bunch of people have, both on Twitter and there's been some discussion of it in the Discord, is the price point for the game. Now, I know you're always very much defending that, you know, these games cost money and we need to pay pay for them and $60, you know, might seem like a fair price point. Uh, this is the most expensive Life is Strange game to date. From what I can tell, I think the previous ones were max forty dollars, so they've jumped up to to sixty. From I think Life is Strange two was was forty. Yeah. Uh, how do you feel about that? And obviously, this is not episodic like the previous games were. And do you think it, it is better but it, delivered in in one package though? It's not like you're yeah. waiting for them week by week as they're still developing right. them. Yeah, just wanted to clarify. Like it does have clear chapter points, but. It is all in one. Cl- it's a, it's as if you had bought these games now, you know. <laughs> um, so I, I, so yeah, I am often the person who takes that fairly unpopular opinion, right? That like video games should probably cost more. Um, that doesn't mean that you know I don't. Um, that I'm not like sympathetic to the point that like video games are expensive already. And, like, you only, you know, many people can only buy so many games, right? Um, So I understand that, like, for me as somebody who has a certain amount of expendable income, it's maybe easy for me to say that, right? So, grain of salt. I totally recognize that. Um, However, I, I do feel like so far this game has been worth my investment because I think the fact that this game is, is $60, I feel is reflected in the quality of the game. I think, like I said, Life is Strange, um, you know, especially the original, right? Or like budget, a budget title um, developed on on like a tighter budget that I'm sure uh, Don't Nod would have liked, you know? And for me, you know, I look at, at this game, the animations are a lot smoother. The graphics look a lot better. Um, you know, I, I have heard about some people... Uh, running into technical issues i know that there's definitely been some i haven't experienced anything significant i had one glitch where um there's a it has accessibility settings for font and one of the things you can do is put like a dark background behind the text so it's easier to read if you're vision impaired um and that just like turned itself on and it like i it like wouldn't turn off but then when i left the building i was in it turned itself back off and i was like okay cool so it's like, that's like a very minor thing, right? Like if that's the worst thing I experienced so far, that's all right. The only other thing that I think 
I've noticed is like, I think the frame rate is locked at 30. It definitely seems like it has a lower frame rate, which is weird at first because I, I feel like I'm so used to 60 now um, that they're, like, when I first started playing, it kind of took me a minute to get used mm-hmm. to some of the like, the motion blur and things that, you know, um, you don't really get uh, when you're playing 60 FPS locked. Um, but that might be a, that might be an artistic choice as well because I know I know studios like Naughty Dog have spoken about it before that they always give you the option between sixty and thirty, and their cinematics I think are always at thirty, the same as Spider Man's. So it goes from sixty to thirty because they want that cinematic movie look. It might and, actually be in its favor for Life is Strange, even if it is a technical reason why it's set to thirty and not sixty. And that's ultimately how I feel about it. Like, I got used to it again very quickly, and it's not something that I'm thinking about while I'm playing. I noticed it when I first put hands on the game. And I think, you know, this is it's not an action game, right? Like, that's not what this is about. Um, it is a, a cinematic experience. So I think, I, I think that, you know, those artistic um, advancements are something that, like, I feel like are worth paying for, you know? Um, the game... Is, is really good and I'm, I'm really enjoying it and I know that it's going to be done uh, probably sooner than I'd like but I really feel like we as as um, as gamers need to stop applying length to, uh, to a game as being like an inherent part of the value I, I uh, agree with that but that is a that is contradictory to what you said before that people only have a finite amount of money to buy a finite amount of games. It is. And if and if the amount of time you can spend with something that's going to entertain you is what you perceive as value for money, then obviously people will continue to attribute length of time to that. You know, yeah. you could play, say, if you're Chewies, play Animal Crossing for 1,200 hours for $60 that's probably very good value compared to something like this, which is what, six to eight hour game? I think it's probably more like 10. Okay. I think every every chapter is like about two hours, but it'll probably be longer if you play the way that I play, where I'm like really trying to find all the collectibles and make sure I talk to everybody and, you know, take my time a little bit. Um, Yeah, and I, I respect that, right? Like I, I would never, you know, if somebody tells me that they don't feel like this game is worth $60, then, you know, I guess my answer to that would be like, all right, I guess wait for a sale. You know, like, that's fine. Um, but but for me, like, I I am a Life is Strange fan, right? Like, I, I do love Life is Strange, and, you know, um, I make no bones about that. I have a fucking Life is Strange tattoo. Um, so... No, you're just a big fan of the, the dollar I'm bills, in the Illuminati, okay? <laughs> um... <laughs> so like I, I get it right like you you may not feel that same way right but I feel like it comes down to uh, a, the similar conversation we had about like Pokemon Snap where I, I feel like I, I like this franchise and not only do I like this franchise I want more games like this I really like choose your own adventure narrative adventure games you know I, I, I really appreciate them and I don't feel like it's fair to say that, like, this genre of game is not worth $60, which is inherently, I feel like, what you're saying when you say, like, oh, it's not worth it because it's, it's 10 hours, right? Well, it's like, if it's over in 10 hours and I remember it and think about it for years to come, that's cool, 
Like, I'm fine with that. And, like, I don't think that you have to make the argument, right, like, that every game um, that that has an emotional impact, you know, uh, has to cost that amount. But, like, for them to give us this experience, you know, like, if that's the price point they need to hit... Because I, I compare it to Life is Strange 2, which was $40, and I loved that game, but it did not look or run as good as this game does. And Yeah, I mean, that's that's totally fair. I mean, I, I don't know. I can see why people would be upset with the price point. Um, but I, I also think that this, this is the kind of game that will go on sale fairly soon. It's also going to go down in price fairly soon. So if, if you can wait two, three months... I'm sure you'll be able to pick up for forty dollars at some point, yeah, or even less. And I uh, was a big old Marky Mark. I bought the special edition. Uh, I think the ultimate edition or whatever it was, because it comes if you bought that in advance, you get the remaster um, as well. Oh, and how much is eight, how much is the combined package then? It was eighty dollars. So I'm saving. Sure, that's actually a good deal. Exactly, I'm saving like twenty bucks on it um, in the long run. So. I was happy to make that trade off. I wonder um, why it was was so expensive because I've just seen that one on Amazon. Uh, it was a lot more than the the just the base edition. Yeah, and it comes with some extra uh, like in game outfits and stuff that are bullshit. Like it's like you know, like Never it's cool or whatever. But I wouldn't have spent extra money on that, right? Like what I wanted was the pre the uh, yeah. the remaster of the original and the prequel. Um. But yeah, I mean, I you know, for me, like this this game is hitting all the right notes. You know, like I really, really like the cast of characters. Like I, I have found that them focusing things on one town again, rather than Life is Strange Two, which had like a road trip element to it. Um, that was cool, and it led to opportunities that you know um, the original and and the other games in the series wouldn't have had the ability to do. But I really like how the original being set in Arcadia Bay, the town and your relationship to it is such a big part of the game. It almost kind of feels like it's, it's you know, it's its own character, right? Like, people love to say that about certain settings. Um, but Haven feels that way. Haven feels like a special place that every episode I get to explore different parts of it. And, you know, you keep going back to the main street where all the, the businesses are and things are different every episode because there's, you know, stretches of time that have gone by and you find different things. And, you know, there's there's just all these really cool uh, storytelling opportunities for you getting to know a, a, a space more intimately and the designers being forced to, you know, reexamine and recontextualize a space and be like, the last time you were here, you saw this. What do you see this time? And, you know, it, there's a reward to that um, that I, I really do think is a welcome return. And I really love the cast. Like, I already feel emotionally invested in, in, in them and their relationships. And I feel like there's been a lot of really strong dialogue. That's something that, you know, I, I, some people have definitely criticized Life is Strange for in the past. Um, some people, you know, just don't like like parts of the script or some of the way that the characters talk or things like that. Is it um, like unnatural dialogue or something? I don't think so, but it's that like, uh, like a good example is that like Chloe in the original game says "hella," which is a piece of slang that is pretty much only said in like San Francisco, the San Francisco Bay area, and there's an in-universe reason why she says it. Um, but everyone's just like teenagers don't talk that way. She would never say this, you know. And there's yeah, like this she's kind a big of boomer. 
It's one of there's, those. There's, and, and like, no, it's just a thing you've not heard because you're not from San Francisco. And instead of taking some time to try to understand why that's the case, people are like, this is bad. Um, that's my take on it. I've never felt that way. Obviously, I'm a fan of the series, you know, um, but I'm not alone in that. So, uh, but I, I found that like there's a lot of really strong dialogue in this game in the more heavy emotional moments, but also just like I find Alex to be really funny. Um, a lot of the dialogue they've written for her kind of like internal monologue and commenting on things. She's very sarcastic and she has like a wit to her that um, definitely vibes with my sense of humor. So yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm really enjoying it. And I think, I think it's worth, um, for my money, I think it's worth the, the cost of, of admission, you know? Um, if you are feeling like you have a bit of sticker shock and you want to wait for a sale, I think that's totally reasonable. Um, you know, everybody's financial situation is different, but I, I personally think like I'm at a place where I'm taking a stand in terms of like, I want to see more games like this. I want to see more, uh, narrative adventure, you know, choose your own adventure type games, but I also want to see more games that are bold enough to ask for a $60 price point and deliver a tight focused experience that's under 20 hours and, and prove that that is worth it. Mm -hmm. Cause that's, that's, you know, I, I, I agree. I think games have kind of got too long. I would point to say, the Last of Us Part Two, I feel that that game was maybe five plus hours, a little bit too long that it didn't need to be, and that was probably because they were like, "We're charging this much money, we need to hit this number of hours." And I feel that if you were ruthless in what you're cutting out, you could have got that down, and it would have been a tire experience. And I think I think it's especially something that I want to advance the conversation around at least on this podcast because when you look at the numbers most people don't finish video games like that's a fact we know this most people do not finish the games that they start um i never finish anything hell right i was gonna say one of the hosts on the show is guilty of that exact thing um <laughs> and you know so what? like there's, i don't think there's any shame in that because i felt like if you got your money's worth you had your enjoyment with yeah. it and you moved on to something else that's absolutely fine that's absolutely fine but my point being why are we putting so much value on the length of games that most people are not fucking finishing anyway? You know, like, yeah. does it matter if a game has a hundred hours worth of content, if you buy it and play it for 10 hours and stop? Uh, yeah, or, I would love to see the statistics on how many people finished Persona 5 and how many people finished Red Dead Redemption 2 and, and, and games I, like that. And I'm not saying those games shouldn't be that long. I played both of those games, loved both of those games and finished both of those no, games. No, I think those games shouldn't be that long. I really I don't do agree. think those games shouldn't be that long. I don't agree. I at least not personally. Why not release them in two parts and have and don't spend six, seven years developing it and release two smaller games in three years? I don't know, because I I mean why do it that way? There's no there's no reason to do it at that point. You're just at that point, you're you're saying you want to spend, I mean, that's twice the, the as much money on the same it. amount yeah, of exactly. content. Exactly, that's yeah. that should be the motivation, right? It's like, well, if we do it this way and we don't spend this much time on it, we can charge sixty dollars now and sixty dollars in in three years' time, 
and people will still be happy because there's still 30 hours of content instead of 60 hours of content or 50 hours of content instead of 100 hours of content. I don't think people would have complained if Red Dead Redemption had a little little less in there. A little less. I'll give you that. Sure. Um, Persona, I don't know. I don't feel like it needed to be shorter. I liked it. It was good. But to your point, you know, I I think I generally agree with that. Is that like I would rather a game, you know, have a tight and memorable 25-hour experience with no bloat than a 50-hour experience where there's a bunch of stuff I don't feel like doing. Um, yes, I agree with you. And my favorite experiences I've had with video games have been the ones where I finished them in two or three sittings and i've sat down and i've got gripped and hooked and i've played it for like four five hours straight over a weekend just finished the game i did that with uh the last game i did that with was the last of us part two and i just had such a good time with it that it it stuck with me and we obviously did that spoiler cast uh which you can find i think on on our patreon um i'm not sure though yeah <laughs> but yeah i um i i generally agree you know and like i there are plenty of long games that i've that i've really fallen in love with obviously but i i love a game that is confident enough to be 25 to 30 hours or maybe a little longer you know um no see i think i think 30 hours is a long time that's a long commitment it's like watching 10 movies and it's like 10 big movies in a row, 10 Marvel movies in a row. Yeah, I mean, it is. But I mean, that's I think that's also like certain genres of game lend themselves to that. And that is part yes, of the do, yeah. expectation. And, you know, like a game like The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, you want to spend like 60 hours in you. I spent 70 hours in that game. That's not even a lot by most people's standards, but like. I had a great time with it. You know, I enjoyed every one of those hours and Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't, I don't mean to say that no game should be that long. I really don't. I think it's that like not every game needs to be that long. And I think that we need to be okay with the idea that like $60 doesn't have to equal a certain time investment, right? That it should, it should be a sign of a quality that's being hit. And I think if if you can make the argument that like you feel like there are indie games that are higher quality that are being sold for less, why don't we have the conversation of why we don't pay more for indie games then? Or if you feel that way, you know, maybe you don't buy the the AAA games that are that are coming out at that price point. But like, you know, Life is Strange at sixty dollars is uh you know for my money and for the kinds of games that I you know, love and feel like are underserved as a genre in terms of how many of them we get. Um, I'm happy to put my money where my mouth is on this one. Fair enough. I'm curious though. One last point before we move on. Would you have paid 70 for it and been happy with the 70 price point that Sony's pushing for, for this game? I think that probably would have stung a little bit. You know, I think, um, I, I think it at $60, right. When like, uh, you know, because because if you're buying it on PS4, right? Like it's also sixty dollars, um, to my knowledge, anyway. Um, so that doesn't feel great to me, 
me thinking of it as a next gen title that I'm spending $10 less on, it's like, okay, like that's, I can wrap my head around that. Right. Um, cause like 60 bucks is like what I spent on like Miles Morales on, on PS5, you know? Um, and this is a similar amount of content. Yeah. Whereas Miles Morales, I think was 50 on PS4. Right. Oh, you got it. So, you got it was ten dollars more on the on the newer platforms. Yeah. So I I could see that argument. You know, if if you're playing on a last gen console and you you're like, oh, you know, I, I spent ten dollars less than this on my on miles, and that feels like it's more worth it to me. You know, that's fair. That's fair to say. You know, um, I certainly understand why people feel that way. You know, it's not. This isn't a me being like incredulous in the way I am about how video games being $70 is like a thing that I'm like, no, like I really genuinely think that's fair. Um, for this, I, I see the other side of the argument. I just, for where I'm at and with the enjoyment I'm getting out of it, I'm, I'm good with it. You know, um, you'll have to make that value judgment for yourself. But I think if you're a fan of life is strange, um, in general, this game is great and it is absolutely, uh, something that is worth your time and, and dollar. Um, and if you're on the fence about Life is Strange, um, but any of the stuff that I've talked about over the years or today appeals to you, um, I do think this is a good jumping on point if you are you know, not um, scared off by the price. You know? And it, it, if you are, in which case, you know, maybe you wait for the, uh, the remaster and, you know, and a sale. All right. So... Uh, I've talked about that enough. Let's uh, let's jump into our talking point this week, which is arcades. Because um, and it's interesting because it's also we're still in the what we're playing segment. Because I guess that's just this whole show this that's week. That's the whole show this week. Yeah, uh, we did the news as a separate episode. So I didn't even the whole show. I didn't even get to talk about. It. There's another game I played this week. Should I talk about it right now, or do you, do we want to jump into the? What did you play? I I on my vacation. Uh, restarted and got to the very last boss of Shovel Knight in, Whoa, about, a, okay. in about a day. <laughs> wow. So what you're saying is you're prepping for uh, the speed runs. And what is it? I thought about game's it. Game's done quick. You're going to be doing that. This I year. genuinely thought about it while I was doing it this time. I was like, maybe I should try to speed run this game. I've never yes. done that before. Yeah, that you should do that as a marathon stream one weekend on on twitch.tv slash flip screen games. Yeah. See how many runs I can do? Mm-hmm. That's it's an idea. That's an idea. I might I might do that, bud. It might sell me on Shovel Knight as well, because I still haven't played it. Yeah. I mean I would love an excuse to play that game uh, on stream and stuff. So yeah, if you guys are interested in me trying to speedrun Shovel Knight, let us know. Um but yeah when we were hanging out on my vacation, um there was some downtime when we were just like hanging out at the cabin and stuff and and I pulled out the switch and you know the thing i've been playing in my downtime lately has been of course pokemon unite um but no internet so uh i i decided to uh to pop back into shovel knight which i've been talking about doing for a few weeks and uh yeah i was i blazed through it (laughs) i think this is my seventh time beating it i think i figured out nice Nice, maybe it's good it might be yeah seven time beating it because i still have to beat the last boss but i did the two levels preceding her um and then stopped so i'm gonna have to knock that out one of these nights but yeah it was it was a good time everybody should play shovel knight one of the best games ever made all right 
I'll believe you because I don't have any plans to play that game anytime soon. <laughs> you hate platformers. Um, all right, so now let's jump into our talking point, which is uh, part three, I guess, of what we're playing this week. Uh, and it is all about arcades. So, Steve, I know you spent some time at some arcades. And I think I did, most notably, yeah. as anyone who follows you on social media saw, you were playing some DDR, which we all know is a big game in your history. And I saw you getting out there. You're getting sweaty. You're fucking rocking and rolling. So let's let's talk about it. So yeah, I spent well, I spent a couple of days at the beach, and in the UK, you go to the beach. It's just riddled with arcades. They're everywhere. Uh, so we went into a few arcades. Macaulay shoved. I don't know if you have them in America. Two P machines that you just shove like two P's in, and it it like goes down and and it has these like um things pushing forwards and it pushes yes. a bunch more tps off if uh you get them macaulay's obsessed with them and that was what macaulay was doing so what macaulay was doing that because i just find them really boring i don't understand why you just funnel two peas into a machine uh there was a uh ddr which we in in this country called dancing stage not ddr so there was a dancing stage dancing i don't know why stage? it's called that Blame Konami for calling it Dancing Stage. I don't know why. That's what Whatever. it's called. Fine. Whatever. That's ridiculous. And and it said Dancing Stage Euro Mix 2. And I was like, oh, you know, it's not the original, but it's it's okay. You know, it's not the one from my childhood. I got there, pop pop my money in. It was the original game. It was just it was just mislabeled. It had the original software on. So I was like, this is fucking great. I knew all the music. Oh my god, that's awesome. I yeah, I didn't realize how good I was at this game. So I I put, played it on easy. It was too fucking slow. So the next time I I went, I was I ramped up to to medium. I played this four times in a row. By the end, I was dead, and I ended up fucking my knee up um, for the for the next like two days. <laughs> Hell yeah! Uh, but it was it was fun. I had such a good time, and I went down a bit of a rabbit hole. So my friend, I was talking to my friend Nick, who's a, a big DDR fan, and he has a like metal dance map that you can get. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I was looking at those. I was. Bet like, you were. I wanted wanted to spend six hundred pounds on a on a dancing stage mat because um, people buy the old arcade machines and rather than just keeping these old ar- arcade machines alive, which takes a lot of work because uh, they're like running old CRTs and it's just dated and you're stuck only playing a certain uh, selection of games. People people buy these old arcade machines. They separate the stage and then they sell the stages. Uh, just like the the bit that you dance on as a separate thing with adapters, so you can plug them in. And there's a game called Step Mania for PC, which allows you to basically play any any song. And the community makes levels for each of these songs, so you load your own MP3s in, and you you can just play anything. So I, I was like researching all of this stuff down this total rabbit hole. Really, really wanted to. Really, really wanted to just drop. Uh, an exorbitant amount of money on on how much these, are they uh, dancing stages uh so they range in price so you, do you remember like back in the day on the ps1 uh you had those those mats were that rolled up essentially and you would plug them in you can still get those they're like 20 quid and then it ranges the all the way up 
I want a metal one. And the best ones are the ones people make themselves as like DIY kits. And then you buy them and you assemble it together. They cost around 600. There's like a good middle ground where it's hard plastic and they work pretty well. They're ranging around about 100. So I think that's probably where I'm going to land is the 100 pound mark and then play Step Mania on, um, on my computer. Because uh, I really want to get back into it. I've missed playing playing um, DDR. I, I love it. I love rhythm games in general. And it was just my childhood. But it got me thinking about arcades. And, I, and that's why I put the question out. Because we played a bunch of other games while we were there. There's a there's a um, a Walking Dead game now, which basically is like House of the Dead, but themed. Oh, cool! As, as Walking Dead, so I was there using the like uh, pump action shotgun thing to shoot stuff. <sighs> light gun games, you just don't. I miss light gun games. I miss you know? light gun games so much. It's so fun. Like, uh, House of the Dead was my go to when I went to the arcade as a kid. House of the Dead and Crazy Taxi were the two. And I'm yeah, curious, like, what you, you used to run for when, when you were going to the arcades. Or did you even go to arcades? Because a bunch of people apparently didn't, um, which we'll get to when we read out their uh, their input. Yeah, so I, um, I had a pretty good amount of arcade experiences growing up because uh, similar to your, you know, what you described in the UK, uh, if you are familiar with the Jersey Shore... Um, which is, you know, where a lot of folks go for, for beach vacation. The hit MTV TV show. Yes, of course. Um, <laughs> uh, in in that, that little slice of heaven, uh, there are a lot of arcades. And, you know, when I was growing up, whenever we'd go to the beach, it would often be, we'd go to Point Pleasant, we'd go to Keensburg, you know, we'd go to Seaside Heights, whatever, and all of them had a mixture of you know, the kind of arcade carnival games that you think of where you do goofy shit and win prizes, but then they would also have arcades. And I was always more interested in the arcades. Um, I liked winning stuff, but I loved going to the arcades and, like, you know, trying to win tickets and buy Pokemon cards or whatever the fuck. Yeah, Um, so that's the other thing I didn't touch on was, like, all these ticket machines. We ended up getting a bunch of of tickets we just saved for the next time we go because you will spend literally hundreds of pounds to get something so shit out of yep. the cabinet it's yep. ridiculous yeah absolutely but as a kid right it's not my money so it felt like i was earning something so i remember like me and my buddy uh my best friend growing up uh jimmy um we spent a whole summer where we went to the arcade like every time my mom would take us right we would go and we saved up our tickets for the entire summer and they had this big uh uh it was like a uh it was like a box, a big box set of Pokemon cards. And it was all of the different, um, it was, it was like a, a grab box basically of a bunch of full box sets of the cards in sealed packs. So it was like probably like a hundred packs of Pokemon cards. And we saved these tickets up the whole summer. And I remember the last time we went, we finally had enough to get them and we got them and like brought them home and opened all of these cards and we're like trading and, and you know, like, you know, just, okay, you keep this one. I'll keep that. I need this. You need that. Like, you know, um, and that's just like such a trick or treating for Halloween. And yeah, you bring it all yeah. Back and you pull it all together, yeah. But it, but instead, it was like imagine if you had trick or treated every fucking weekend for like a whole for months, you know, for a whole summer, which feels like fucking forever when you're a kid, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, and it was like such a triumph that we had fucking gotten this thing, you know. Um, but also, uh, Chuck E. Cheese, uh, was a big thing back in the '90s, and there were 
two locations in New Jersey that were near where I grew up, um, as well as this place called Funtime America, which I don't know if is still in business, but was a few years ago. And me and my friends would go there and play laser tag um, when we were in our 20s. Well, not that I'm not anymore, but you know what I mean. Um, some of them aren't. Uh, so there were a lot of arcades around me when I was growing up. So I have a good amount of experience and, uh, time crisis house of the dead, like the light gun games were definitely ones I would go for all the time. Um, shout out to like the X-Men arcade game. Shout out to, you know, Marvel versus Capcom was always a popular Marvel vs. Capcom two, um, was a really popular one. I remember the, the, uh, first mega like multiplex that opened up near where I lived. They had an MVC two machine and a house of the dead machine. Uh, and then some fucking racing game that was like, whatever. And me and my friends never cared about it, but like, it would be like, I remember going to the movie so many times and being like, Oh, can you drop us off an hour early so we can play Marvel or like, you know, our friends, you know, uh, whoever's mom or dad that took us is buying snacks and waiting in line. And we're there fucking playing house of the dead before the movie. Like, Mm-hmm. Um, so many, so many fun things like that. Uh, but this one game that like, so always sticks in my mind is there was a Jurassic Park game, uh, that was like I that. Remember where it it was like a like in the thing, right? in the Jeep. Yeah. yeah. And it was like the whole, you was like, you'd get in it and you and the other person had guns and all these dinosaurs were coming at you. And they had that at, at the Chuck E. Cheese that I used to go to. And I remember my dad uh, used to take me there a lot because, um, you know, I've mentioned before, I think, uh, at least on, you know, uh, one more thing that like my dad uh, was a sailor and, you know, he had a boat that was like maybe a 45 minute drive away from where we lived or something like that. Who's to say? But I remember it was kind of a trek. And oftentimes when we would go there, when we were coming back to come home, we would stop at Chuck E. Cheese and he would take me there for like a couple hours and we'd go play arcade games together. Um, and then, you know, we'd, we'd get, we'd either eat there or we'd get McDonald's on the way back or whatever. And that was like a weekend, you know? Um, and this fucking Jurassic park game, I remember he and I played this for like what feels to my memory, like years, like it was a game that we would always just go and try and we'd run out and we'd give up or whatever. Um, but I remember there was this one day where it was like really raining and we had to leave the boat early because we just weren't able to get whatever we wanted to get done done. And we spent like hours, hours at Chuck E. Cheese. And the only thing we played was this Jurassic Park game. And we were just feeding tokens into it until we finally got past this part that we had never gotten past before. And we were like, oh my God, this is the farthest we've ever gotten. And then I remember we played for like another hour or so and and finally finished the game. And it was like one of those things where like, uh, there's almost nobody else there, but there's like a few people who had like, who were like watching us at the end because we were almost at the end and it was, you know, it was making all these noises and shaking. And it's just like, I have such a vivid memory of that experience with my dad. And like, it's like one of my, one of my fondest memories of being a little kid. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's, that's so cool. We never had anything like Chuck E. Cheese in the UK. The closest, I would say, the closest thing I could think of is like a Hollywood bowl where we would go and that would be where kids had parties and stuff right they would go to the the yeah, same kind of vibes and then and then they would uh have the arcade like attached to it so you'd spend like 
a couple of rounds of bowling and then go and, and play in the arcade for hours at a time. But the only time we ever went to arcades as a kid was when we were on holiday. We would go to like a caravan park that had an arcade on site or it was one at the beach or something like that. And that was the only time we ever really ever really played arcades it wasn't like each weekend we were going to the arcades or anything and maybe for the old birthday party like i said at hollywood bowl but other than that yeah that was that was it i'm trying to think of like i would also be like the the odd kid where it would be like if there was an arcade that had a section of like a bunch of retro games i would always be like oh yeah it's like oh it's like this fable like it's donkey kong i've never played donkey kong like oh man you know and like Definitely helped me. I remember the f- the first time I got off the first like stage of Donkey Kong. You know when you rescue Princess yeah. Peach the first time and you go up to the the next level and you're like, oh my god, there's more to this game. Yeah. You know what? I had a moment like that with. I remember when I uh, it was the first time I went to Disney World. They had this. Um, there's like an area there called Downtown Disney, and they have like you know kind of like attractions that are not like park level attractions. It's like. It, it's very much kind of. I don't even know if it still exists. I think it might be called something else now. But it's like a place like that in, pe- in Disneyland Paris. That's called the Disney Village, and there's like a. It's like a basically a fake street where there's like a load yeah. of things like a couple restaurants, and, bar, yeah, or whatever restaurants, things like that. Yeah, and they um, have like live music there at nights. Things oh, okay. Like that. Yeah, so probably a similar similar vibe, um, and. I think it might be called like Disney Springs now or something, but whatever. Uh, and I remember I was there um, when I'm like maybe eight or nine years old and there was this place called Disney Quest that was an arcade slash a bunch of like experimental like video game type attractions. Like that was the first time I ever tried VR and this is like two th- the year 2000. I remember they had this game uh, where you'd pop up, you had, it was like VR goggles and you'd pop it on and you sat on this platform, right? Like it's like, it was like a little, you know, uh, like a plank of wood, I guess, but better than that because it's Disney. And it was like a 4D experience as well because the whole game was that you were Abu from Aladdin, you know, the little monkey, and you were mm-hmm. riding on the carpet. And it was like everybody had these goggles on. So you're in this virtual environment with other players and everybody's driving around and like you had to like hit each other. And it was kind of like a oh, that's cool. like the battle mode in Mario Kart. Like, but, you know, yeah. and it was like in 2000, it was like, what the fuck? This is so it's like one of those simulator rides, but you're actually doing something with it. Yeah. Yeah. It was really yeah. cool. I used to love those simulators. And I don't know why, because they're really crap when you think about it. It's I go into this dark room, there's a projector screen, and it pretends I'm on a roller coaster, but it never feels anything like I'm on a roller coaster whatsoever. They it's had the a closest really... experience I can get for two quid at this rando <laughs> carnival. They had a really cool thing like that though there where it was like a big bubble thing and you sat in it and you designed your own roller coaster and then like the whole premise was that you were like testing roller coasters so it would be like do a loop to loop and it would literally flip you and it was so freaking cool I I don't know this stuff probably was not as cool as I remember it being but in the year 2000 to my eight-year-old brain I was like this is the height of technology this is incredible yeah um but ever getting better The reason I brought that place up is that part of it was also that it was like an arcade. And I remember they had this one section where you could watch people like, you know, you remember BattleBots, that TV show? Yeah, it's it's still on. It's on Netflix. It keeps advertising it. Really? Yeah, it's back. Oh, 
I should watch that. Um, but they had like a thing like that where it was like they had these pre-made robots and you'd fight and you have to flip one, whoever won or whatever. And I remember there was a room where you could kind of, it was like a pit and it was like the viewing area and the whole walls were lined with arcades. And I remember we were watching uh, for a bit and then I kind of, I guess, got bored or whatever. And I was like, oh, I want to play some games. And they had a, a Miss Pac-Man machine in there. And I remember I was playing that. And it was the first time I had ever gotten a cleared uh, or passed, like, maybe the second or a cleared board or whatever. Um, uh-huh. and, I, and I was like, oh, like, holy shit. Like, I'm so good at this. And, like, you know, I got, like, two, three levels in. And I'm like, oh, wow, I'm a pro. <laughs> got the animation for the first time where Miss Pac-Man's, like, yeah. chasing all the chasing like, all Oh, the it's a cutscene. <laughs> <laughs> I, do you know, of the classic games, I think Pac-Man's my favorite. When you think of the classic games, like, you know, the Atari ones, like Asteroids. Or Galaga. The Nintendo ones, yeah, or Galaga. Pac-Man's the one. I always go and play Pac-Man. It's about the only game I play on my arcade cabinet. It's yeah, Pac-Man. I love Pac-Man. Pac-Man or um, some of the Neo Geo games I love. Yeah, it's it's right up there for me. If it's not one of the fighting games or the light gun games or something like that that I played as a kid. Like, yeah, it's, I think Pac-Man is probably the one I do also mm-hmm. enjoy Galaga. Um, and uh centipede's pretty fun. Like there are others that are, are definitely a good time. I used to like space invaders a lot too. That was one I would always go toward. Um, cause it was like, oh, that's my dad's favorite. Cause he played that in the seventies. So yeah. he has fond memories of that. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I have a lot of fond memories of just hanging out in arcades and like killing, saturdays there that kind of thing um let's let's read some from the audience uh rob knight wrote in and said my favorite arcade game is probably time crisis or the simpsons one yeah great answers absolutely the simpsons one is is phenomenal i've actually never played an actual simpsons arcade cabinet but it is one of my favorite really oh man that was in, in the world there was a a local movie theater oh wait no no, that was in Tom's River, I guess. I think it, either way, it was either the local theater in the town I grew up in, or it was Tom's River, where I spent most of my you know teenage years and stuff. Um, at at one of those movie theaters where there was a Simpsons arcade, and I remember like actually getting a group of four friends and playing through the whole thing. Oh my god, that would be so fun! It was awesome. So fun. I really want to play some of the the modern multiplayer games. You know, like, um, what's that one? Is it Black Queen something? Oh, my God. Killer Queen Black. I didn't even think about that. I didn't even bring up MAGFest. I've talked about MAGFest a bunch of times, (laughs) so if you've heard me say this, I'm sorry. But So MAGFest is a convention uh, that takes place in Maryland, or at least the one I've been to. I think they have other events, um, at this hotel called the Gaylord, which is a huge, huge hotel. Um, and they throw like, you know, corporate conventions in it. And then this weird anime EDM video game music festival. It's fucking wild. I don't know why they do this there, but it's awesome. And the the part of the event, aside from the music and all that stuff, is they have uh, LAN, like a big LAN room where it's just computers set up and you can sit down at a computer and just play games. They have a 24 hour arcade that's filled with arcade cabinets um, ranging from like old, old ass retro stuff to like modern stuff like Killer Queen Black. Uh, or like, you know, I remember um, uh, 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 the, I think it was Street Fighter V. Yeah, has an arcade cab that is like, I think only in Japan. And like they had one. Um, 
it's like it's it's crazy and like the whole all of it is donated it's all people that come to the conventions uh donate their stuff for the weekend to be used and it's this very cool like hey like everybody treat the stuff with respect and and like you know to my knowledge that's always been how it plays out right people keep doing it every year and then they also have a room that's filled with old retro computers and consoles so like you can go and sit and play a commodore 64 you can go and sit i remember the last time i was there uh there was a point where all my friends were passed out and i was still awake and i went and beat super mario world uh on somebody's super nintendo because i had an hour or two to kill before i was tired Um, yeah i love that like egx here has um some arcade cabinets and a huge section where you can just play like retro games on all sorts of uh, consoles. If you're looking for something though, I would recommend the National Video Game um, Museum. If you ever come to Sheffield, um, it used to be in Nottingham and it was way better when it was in Nottingham. At least when I visited in Sheffield, it had, it really kind of reigned in how much stuff they had there. But you paid for entry and then everything's like free play. So That's you can awesome. just go up to any arcade cabinet and just and just play and it's like six pounds to get in and then you just spend a whole day there just playing arcade cabinets it's, i love it's that fun. we have a um <clears throat> a uh, a place in asbury park in new jersey that's a pinball museum that's like that um nice yeah it's I, so I, I, cool. I love pinball machines but you know they they're, they're, they're just not around anymore really no not really um they have uh they have some in- insanely old ones that are still in working order and they let you play them and it's insane like oh that's it, so cool the quality is is crazy um the the uh the other place that like i've been to that's somewhere like the the video game museum or like the pinball place that you talk about is the computerspiel museum in berlin if you ever go to berlin you have to go to the computerspiel museum it's really kind of out of the way but take the 20-minute journey from the center of Berlin to go there because it is phenomenal. It's so much fun. And um, we just had a really great time when we went to went to Berlin and looked around it. That's awesome. Yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to put that one on the list. Um, there's a couple uh, that I'm trying to see when I go to Japan in a couple of years. Um, God willing. Uh, <laughs> and... Um, yeah, Killer Queen Black you brought up. That game was so incredible. I played that at Magfest for the first time, and it was like you, it was like thirty people around this machine the entire time, and it was like you'd wait for your turn, and then when you get up, you play until your team lost. And I remember the team, I, I, me and my friend Joey, uh, went down and we're like, oh, we we gotta play, we gotta play this, and we got on a team, and we, I think we, I think we won two games, so I got to play like three matches in a row. And I was just like, this game is so addictive. And I waited another like 40 minutes so I can play it again. <laughs> and then we lost. And I was like, okay, I'm good. But um, yeah, that game is so rad. So rad. Yeah, I really, I really just want to try it. But you have to have a, a serious group of people or go somewhere like a festival where, where people are playing it all the time. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so let's jump into this next one. This one comes from uh, one of our Patreon supporters, Affy, who wrote in and said, there's a great bar in Manchester called NQ64, which is arcade games and alcohol. Uh, went once before the lockdown, and it was so much fun. Now that it's all getting easier to get out, I want to visit again. Ended up playing Time Crisis when I went and an X-Men pinball machine. Very nice. That, yeah, they have a bunch of these, apparently. I looked at their website. So they've got two in Manchester, one in Birmingham, one in Liverpool, and one in Edinburgh. Wow. Uh, me and Macaulay are going to go to go to one of these. I think we may end up going to the Birmingham one because it's just down the road. But 
I adore Manchester as a city, as I've spoken about many times. So I think I probably will end up just like booking a hotel one weekend in Manchester and just going because uh, it looks fucking awesome. There's like neon paint all on the on the walls and stuff, and they've just got like UV lights just um, just like lighting it up. It looks it looks really fun. Um, I'm surprised you didn't mention like Dave and Buster's as a place where people go to in in America. That seems to be like the only chain arcades that are left. I fucking I hate tell. Dave and Buster's, frankly. Um, really? Yeah, I think it sucks. I went there. <laughs> uh, I, I feel shitty saying this, but I went there for a friend's birthday. Um, and like I had fun being there with my friends, but I was like, this is bullshit. Like they had like no good games. At least to the one I went to. It was like, there was like a bunch of stuff. Like, I don't know. There was a few things. Like, they had a they had an updated uh, Jurassic Park game that was very much like the one I described. And I was like, oh, this is cool. They had a Mario Kart machine, two Mario Kart 8 machines, I think. That was very cool. Um, but, like, there was, like, like, a lot of games that were just, like, arcade versions of mobile games because that's what i guess kids like or they think that kids like so there was like a lot of that is it exists there's like fucking crossy road one or like and flappy you know, bird yeah i've seen a fidget spinner arcade cabinet when i was when i was away last weekend and you spin the fidget spinner and if you go like fast enough or get it like the certain rpm you get tickets it's ridiculous and like i hate that shit <laughs> And I, I, uh, I don't know. I, I get it. I'm a boomer or whatever. Make fun of me. Old man yells at cloud. But like, these are not video games. Like, I play dumb stuff at arcades like that to get tickets. So like, fine. Like, it's, it's, I don't have a problem with those things existing. But it's the fact that like, the selection of actually good arcade games that would always be present at an arcade, even that had those kinds of bullshit like ticket eater games um was not a trade-off like it, it i felt like there was like not nearly enough games that were actually games that are fun to play versus just like a thing that you put a token in and push a button a few times and then some tickets come out and it's like oh, no okay. thanks yeah i don't I, w- I i would never go back to a dave and busters of my own volition based on the experience that i had there that's that's all i got to say about that it's no Chuck E. cheese i'll tell you that <laughs> Chuck E. Cheese is gone though R.I.P. right yeah I don't think it exists anymore maybe it does I don't know it probably sucks now too even if it does I, honestly I'm sure it's the same kind of selection I can't imagine the business models are that different I, you um, know, I just I really wish I had a spare hundred grand and I could just go and open my own arcade bar restaurant fucking thing because I think it just works as as a thing I think now there are enough people of our age who loved arcades as kids and want those same arcade games. Like I go, I hear that fucking dancing stage remix tune, and I just want to want to jump on the machine. It's bizarre. Yeah, I'm actually really excited. The uh, I I'm planning on going to Disney World uh, at some point in the near future, and um, the hotel that sarah and and, uh and 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 me and our friends are gonna stay at has a 24-hour arcade um that's just free with like your yeah your room access 
Um, so basically, you don't need to go to Disney World. You're just staying in the hotel. And I'm just not going to sleep, is, I think, is the yeah. thing. Yeah. Uh, while everybody else is sleeping, I'm going to be out there fucking playing games. And then, you know, I'll do the parks the next day. It'll be great. Um, sleep is for the week. This one comes from Stressa, who wrote in and said, didn't have much of experience with arcades, but I remember playing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and The Simpsons. The one that really grabbed my attention was Gauntlet, the N64 slash PS1 era version. I wasted so many quarters on food and became a huge Gauntlet fan. It'd be the one cabinet I get. That's awesome. I, th- I think I spoke about Gauntlet last week and how it was the one Atari game that I loved as a kid. Because we had this Atari collection. It was on Nintendo Noise, actually, because um, I was speaking to Nina, who loved uh, Paperboy. So if you haven't heard that uh, conversation, go listen to last week's Nintendo Noise, because um, there was some good talk about old Atari games. This next one comes from another one of our Patreon supporters, Tyler Olson, who wrote in and said, the ones that instantly come to mind for me are The Simpsons, X-Men Arcade, House of the Dead 2, and Lord of the Rings Pinball. I played and loved all of those. Hell yes. Uh, I was huge into arcades growing up. Pretty much begged my dad to bring me to them whenever we had free time. Same though. Uh, This next one comes from Ray, who wrote in and said, I wish arcades were still around. There was, uh, there were already none around me when I was growing up in the '90s. Though the first arcade I ever went to was in 2017 in Japan. I loved it. That's crazy. Uh, their arcade culture is crazy. There, we witnessed like actual teams of synchronized players playing rhythm games in tandem. One kid collapsed from exhaustion. It was wild. I definitely recommend checking some of the bigger arcades out if you're ever in Tokyo. The pandemic hit it pretty hard, but it's still going, apparently. A few years back, I had plans to turn my games room into a proper arcade-style room and looked into buying a proper Mario Mario Kart Arcade GP Deluxe... Sorry. (laughs) Mario Kart Arcade GP DX machine from the UK distributor, and they said they'd be willing... But it would have cost me seventy five thousand pounds per seat. Exclude XVAT. I don't know what that means, but so it's seven and a half thousand per seat, excluding VAT, which is sales tax. So you would have to pay sales tax. Got on top it. Of that which is another twenty percent. So it would work oh as like God. nine grand per seat. That's insane. I ended up just buying a classic arcade cabinet in the end and got one of those dodgy 800 games in one boards for it. It's a ton of fun whenever I've got friends around, but I barely use it when I'm on my own. Also, yes, you should buy a DDR machine as long as you live stream your gameplay. Absolutely. Right, the only way I will ever live stream it is if someone funds, <laughs> if you all fund my DDR machine. There's no Steve, challenge event. accepted. We, are you telling <laughs> me? Okay, we're going to do a pledge drive, everybody. We're going to do a pledge drive on Twitter. I promise you I'm going to fucking organize this at some point. We are going to end Zay, Doc, whoever wants to keep me to this one. Don't let me forget it. We're going to do this. We are going to do a pledge drive to get Steve the $600 or whatever we need to get this DDR set up. And then we're going to make him do a multi-cam stream. So we'll oh, have shit. we'll have a stream of your face and of your feet <laughs> alongside the gameplay. And what we'll do is we'll do, uh, we'll, we'll have it set up where if we hit a certain, like, you know, bits or sub-threshold or whatever to be determined later, you have to go longer. 
and you got to oh, keep well, going. Yeah, and and I think people, you know, pick songs, right? So they yeah they yeah. they cheer with their bits and they pick what song I play next. Tell me, people won't love that. I don't. I don't even know if we can legally do that because of the music <laughs> rights issues, but we got to figure that out. Well, I feel just, like that well, would be amazing. Well, if we do it with Step Mania, you just feed it with DMCA um, free music. Perfect. You're right. There we go. We got it. Okay, so let's make this happen, folks. All right, we're gonna we're gonna do this. We're gonna make this dream come true. All right, so this is uh, I guess this is our last question of the day. This one comes from another one of our Patreon supporters, Trendy Brendy, who wrote in and said, "I've really been to arcades, even as an adult. So much of so most of my arcade game experiences have uh, been from game collections. Unfortunately, that said, though, Galaga is fantastic, and I like Konami's cleverly named Rush and Attack." Oh my god. I I never even clocked that Russian attack is a is a player one. <laughs> Me neither. That's funny. Yeah, um I definitely would love to make a uh a more complete arcade room in my home at some point yeah, in my me future. Too. We'll see if that ever happens. Uh Sarah let me get one arcade cabinet and promise to not bring another one into the house. And I did not promise that. So we'll see what happens. Pinball is not an arcade cabinet. So I think you can get one of those. You're making a lot of sense. That's fine. And, uh, you know, DDR, that's a a dance machine. It's not an arcade cabinet. I don't need that. I don't need that. Yeah, you do. You do. If I've got to play DDR, you do too. (laughs) No, no, no. I don't think that's how that works. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever played it? Yeah, I'm terrible at it. How are you terrible at it? You're a musician. You should have better rhythm than me. Yeah, but I don't know. It's just like it's I, like I like dancing fine. I'm like a, I'm like an adequate dancer. I that's maybe a little generous. I'm fine. I I'm not afraid to get on the dance floor and, and dance if I if you know if the mood strikes. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. There's just something about it. Maybe it's also because the culture of DDR, like especially when it was very popular, it was always like you would go and everybody was crowding around the machine and watching and stuff. And I'm like, yes. I suck at this and I don't want to make an ass of myself. Me and my sister, like dad, uh, mom and dad bought us the the PlayStation game and the mat for home. We would practice before we went on holiday for the previous week. We would practice, get good. And then we would go and play the songs we knew. Because not every song from the arcade machine was in the PS1 version. So we'd only play the songs we'd practiced and, and knew. And people would watch us. And there we were with our A or AAA rank. And we'd feel good. We would feel good. I had a friend growing up who actually had one of those the metal controllers uh, at oh, home plugged into her PS2. And it was like a big deal at the time. Of course it's a big deal. They're so expensive now. To get one that's compatible with a PC, they are so expensive. And I think it's because they're so niche now. At yeah. the time, it was such a huge phenomenon. It was like, everyone's playing a dance mat. You can like, go buy one for like 20 quid from the supermarket if you want to. Yeah, she had one of the legit ones. I remember she like saved up for it for like a whole summer and bought it. Yeah. It's crazy. That's cool. It was cool. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that's been the Flip Screen Games podcast. If uh, you want to write in just like all these fine folks did for our uh, 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 talking point, almost forgot the name of that segment, or our question block uh, where you can you know suggest your own questions, suggest your own topics, not just whatever you know we, we decide we're going to be talking about, uh, make sure you write in. Questions at flipscreen.games uh, is the way to do that. Uh, or you can come join the Discord where we have a thread every week. 
um, all about the show. We do the same thing up on Twitter. Um, of course, that's at FlipScreenGames. Uh, follow us. Come be a part of it. We'd love to hear from you. If uh, you've been listening to the show and you've never written in before, I'm going to challenge you to write in uh, this week uh, with a with a primo question for us or commentary on whatever our, our main topic will be. Uh, and if you have any questions about Life is Strange True Colors, I will be finishing it this week, so I'm sure I'll have my kind of complete thoughts um you know, when we sit down next week to talk about it. So if you want to write in with any additional questions uh, or, or re- responses to what I said this week, please do. And are you going to play Ghost? Is that on the list for next week? Or are you I, just yeah. going to run out of time? I, I don't know. Got a death loop to get this week. So right. hurry up. Yeah, I'm, uh, <laughs> it's it's getting on top of me. It's getting on top of me right now. I'll tell you that. I get um, it. I get it. I get it. Because like I, I tweeted last night, I just genuinely don't know how I how I find time to play games at the moment because it's just there's a lot that we're doing. The flood fucked me up. It really did. Yeah. The flood and going on vacation, like I lost a week's worth of game time that I did not. I needed that to get done. Like I needed that time to play Ghost, and now I paid for Ghost and have not touched it. <laughs> so. I'll have to get to Iki Island one of these days. Uh, I promise I'll have impressions for you at some point um, whenever I get around to it. Um, but yeah, I guess I guess next week Deathloop will be the the, mm-hmm. the topic of discussion. So uh, if you want to get your... Because what? That's out on... Is that out tomorrow? When does that come out? I think it might be Thursday. Uh, let me have a look. Deathloop release date. No, it's out tomorrow, the 14th of September. So everyone enjoy Deathloop if you have a PS5 or PC. Because yeah. okay. I won't be playing it. So I'll be playing it. <laughs> uh, I'll be playing it. Maybe we'll stream it that Thursday. But either way. Yes, uh, absolutely. We're, okay. You're streaming it that Thursday. I want to see it. We'll stream it this week then. And I'll, I'll, I'll start a new file and I'll, I'll get past the preamble so we can just get into it. Yeah. Uh, or I guess I'll make an extra save. That'll be a smarter thing to do. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, yeah, we can we can do a, a little a little stream of that. But write in if you've got questions about it. I know a lot of you in the audience um, are interested in the game, but maybe don't have a PS5. Uh, so if you have any questions you'd like answered with me, I'll have already had at least two days to play the game by the time we uh, we we chat about it on Thursday. So make sure write in with that stuff too. And uh, of course, you know, remember. Um, Go check out our Twitch channel every Thursday. That's when we do our streams. So if you want to come check out uh, Deathloop this week, that's a great way to do it. Um, and again, if you want to vote on the games we play over there, you can go uh, join our Patreon, patreon.com slash flipscreengames. Uh, and you can also get access to one more thing, our patron-exclusive show. We're on this past week's show. We talked about... Uh, oh, no, I guess... No, it's the one that came out today. Today's, time today's. is hard with this, the time shifting. <laughs> Um, but yeah, we talked all about uh, kids and our you know our plans for the future and all kinds of good stuff. It was a good, it was a good talk. So uh, oh, and we also had a quiz where we figured out what part of England I would be from based on what food I like. Yeah, so, yeah, we learned that Pete loves uh, gravy, lots and I lots, do love especially gravy. combined with cheese. So love it. So go check that out. Uh, it was a good time and a uh, great way to show your support for the show. All right, so. Thank you all for joining us here on another episode of the Flip Screen Games Podcast. We'll see you next week. 